Do you know what the scariest thing is? To not know your place in this world. To not know why you're here. That's... It's just an awful feeling. personal secret. I am a stormy petrel. Now, what on earth is a stormy petrel? I know that's exactly what you're asking yourself. Well, I went to a college called Oglethorpe University in Atlanta, Georgia, and the mascot is the stormy petrel. Legend has it that this courageous, persistent, tenacious bird would fly directly into the storm of a hurricane, fearing nothing. And due to that tenacity and due to that willingness to take on even the strongest of natural forces, the wise people at Oglethorpe University decided we would become stormy petrels. Now, the problem is this. I also, according to legend, learned that they're extinct because of the fact that people who are, uh, I guess, sailors would capture these things and strap them to the top of a post and light them up as torches because they had very oily feathers. So even though they were tenacious and uh, for you know you know persistent, they were kind of stupid, which you know makes me wonder why the wise folks at Oglethorpe University ever chose the stormy petrel as its mascot. But just to show you my dedication, Maestro, to the stormy petrel cause, believe it or not, I, at one point in my life, donned the actual Stormy Petrel mascot costume. And for one basketball game, I was the Stormy Petrel we called Petey. How does that impress you? I am extremely impressed. No, you're not. You're scared. I I can see you just running around the court. Did you have wings? Uh, I had wings, and I used them. It was quite entertaining. Uh, I, I think I was probably the best Stormy Petrel they ever had, but for some reason they never asked me to come what? back. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what happened. But uh, I have a fond memory of sweating like a pig inside that outfit because it was like six inches thick and nothing but feathers, and it's inside a gym, and it was awful. So, Just set yourself on fire at the uh, end of the game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would have been really cool. That would have been awesome. But no, we did not torch the mascot that was not part of the plan although fireworks could have been oh goodness robbie romeiser with career callings where our purpose is to help you avoid the financial and emotional pain of a bad career decision by helping you find prepare for and pursue the work god created you to do feel free to join the program today at 864-381-7649-864-381-7649 uh, that's by phone or text message, or you can reach me by email at Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, at careercallings.net. Now, honestly, I have no desire whatsoever to be a Stormy Petrel, uh, even though I have fond memories of that mascot and my time at Oglethorpe University. 
I don't want to be a stormy peach. What I'd like to be is actually a honey badger. And before I get into why I would like to be a honey badger, let me just kind of refresh your memory and mine on a biblical teaching. Proverbs 6, 6 says this, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And through that verse and many others like that in the Bible, God is telling us, hey, look, you want to get some life lessons? Look at some of my other creation, and you'll get some of those life lessons. And if you apply them to your life, you'll have a better life. So uh, I, just a few days ago, I was at a church fellowship, and one of, my, one of my friends at the church fellowship mentioned this thing called a honey badger. I had never heard of a honey badger before. I had no idea what he was talking about. And based on what he told me, I was intrigued. So I went home later that day and spent probably an hour and a half between reading about the honey badger and watching some videos about the honey badger. I learned all there is to know, well, pretty much all there is to know about the honey badger. So since I have become, with an hour and a half worth of study, a honey badger expert, I want to share with you the words of wisdom or the lessons of wisdom that honey badgers have taught me and uh, how you can apply the lessons of honey badgerism to your workplace environment, to your career calling, to pursuing God's work for your life. So with that, let's, let's start talking a little bit about what we know about the honey badger. The Guinness Book of World Records has actually uh, labeled the honey badger as the world's most fearless creature. The world's most fearless animal. Now, this this is a, this is not a big animal. Um, I'll have a picture, by the way, of a honey badger on my website. So, if you want to check out careercallings.net/radio, uh, I'll have a picture of a honey badger on there for you. But this, if you can do, if you if you can imagine this, this thing stands roughly a foot off the ground, and the biggest honey badger is roughly three feet long. So we're talking smaller than a decent-sized dog, okay? It's, it kind of looks a little bit like a skunk as well, but it's not. It's a, it, it actually looks like a cross between a skunk, a badger, and a weasel. So it's some, kind of some weird breeding going on there. But there's a little bit of everything in, in this bad boy. But the Guinness Book of World Records, most fearless creature on the planet. Now, just some features about it. It's got a very thick skin. It's very rubbery, very tough. It's impervious to... Many traditionally made arrows, it is impervious to many spears, it's impervious to some bullets on weaker guns, it's impervious to many uh, bites from predators, and uh, it's got big claws, very strong jaws, and it can fight with a passion. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it will eat every part of its prey. It is more or less a carn carnivore. It will eat some... Uh, fruits and berries and such, but most of the time it wants to eat meat, and it will eat. And when it does, it'll eat every part of its prey, including the bones. These strong jaws, they just go after it, man. And uh, they've even been known to eat turtles, including the shell. So turtle shells are on the menu. I wonder if they add some salt and pepper. But nonetheless, turtle shells are on the menu. Um, they're also not affected by many types of stings. I remember one of the uh, one of the things I saw about uh, honey badgers was that uh, one honey badger survived over 300 stings from a beehive. By the way, they get the name honey badger because they love to attack beehives and steal honey. Uh, it's one of their favorite things of their diet. So they, they, one honey badger had been stung over 300 times and still survived. Now, some honey badgers are, are stung so many times they will die, but most of the time they don't. And they are also resistant to snake bites. They regularly eat... King cobras and puff adders. Uh, 
uh, they can take the bite of a king cobra or a puff adder, and by the time they're about halfway done eating it, they will eventually take a nap because the venom will actually knock them out. And they'll probably take a nap for two or three hours, and then they'll wake up and keep on trucking. It's, it's, God really made a really cool animal here. Um, so they're really, really fearless. All right. Now, with regard to this fearlessness, uh, I want to kind of apply that to 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 our lives and to um, the the job search. Um, remember, First Second uh, Timothy one seven says this: For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we need to realize when it comes to job searching, if we're feeling like God is calling us in another direction, that can be scary. If we understand that that our current job is pushing us out, they're laying us off for one reason or another, that can be scary. Uh, And all kinds of things, even even the idea of going to a job interview or searching for jobs online or or through a recruiter, all of that can be very scary because we're afraid of things like change and and the unknown and such and so forth. So fear is a natural part of the job search. Yet, we need to be careful about letting fear paralyze us into into inaction. Uh, There was a career consultant named Andrea Kay. Uh, Some people might pronounce that Andrea, uh, but uh, either way, Andrea or Andrea Kay. Um, she was on an airplane one time, and a bird flew into one of the engines on the airplane, and they thought they were going to crash and die. And she and her husband were on the planes, and their kids were back home. So as you can imagine, thinking that the plane is going to crash, all kinds of thoughts are going through her mind. What if we don't make it? You know, how will this end? What about my my kids, my dogs, my cats, my you know my family, my book that I was trying to write? What's going to happen? Will my mom be okay? All these kinds of things went through her mind as she wondered whether or not she was about to die. Now, that was only lasted about 12 minutes, uh, but that was 12 minutes of terror that really seized her. And in an article that she wrote, uh, she, um, she related that to, to the career, uh, the world of career callings, uh, seeking uh, your career calling. Of course, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, as, as, and even though our focus here is on Christian career callings. But nonetheless, she said instead, most people have excuses for not doing what they want. They say, I don't have enough money. I'll have to start at the bottom. I'm too old. I may not like it. I may fail. I'll have to go back to school. My parents won't understand. It doesn't matter what age you are. One or more of those questions or concerns is going to be running through your mind, most likely, if God's calling you in a direction to go. And the question is, are those concerns normal? The answer is yes. And would it feel safer to stay with what you know? Sure, it would be. But is that enough for you and your time on this planet? Now, uh, Miss K, Mrs. K would say no, and I, and I agree with her. Uh, for most people, the answer to Mrs. K's last question is sadly yes, though. Most people would say, well, yeah, that is going to be good enough, um, rather than being courageous enough to make the change. What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of folks with their thoughts and with their words will say and will think that they value God's calling in their lives more highly than their safety. Uh, they, they would be willing to make the jump to follow God's calling if God indeed called. The problem is God calls all the time in career directions, and we don't take the jump. And our, we, we are, through fear, frozen where we are. And therefore, in reality, our actions prove to be totally different from our thoughts and our words. We say we want to do God's will, but we don't 
because we're scared to take that step in the career direction that he wants us to go. By fearing to, de- to venture in the direction of God's dreams for us, we get stuck in a rut of survival rather than a purpose-driven life. And a rut, as they say, as you probably have heard, is nothing more than a grave with the ends kicked out. All right. So for the Christian, God either has or soon will present you with a, a dream or a calling that he wants you to pursue. And your natural reaction is going to be fear. It's natural to fear to move in a direction that's both unfamiliar and not of our choosing. But as a result of uh, uh, you know, as a result of that fear, we can come up with all kinds of excuses to avoid pursuing God's dreams for us. And if we're not careful, we'll wake up one day finding that our excuses have cost us the life of victorious living that God has in store for us. We have to trust God for the next step in our lives. We have to trust Him to show us and give us the strength and courage to go in the direction he wants us to go. See you on the other side of the break. Career Callings, Robbie Romizer. I heard a famous author say once that no matter how fantastic your book is, it will never be a best-selling book until you promote, promote, promote. The same is true with whatever you're trying to sell, whether it's a product for work, a fundraiser for your school, or a nonprofit's message to the world. Great signage is the foundation of any marketing effort, and no one is better at providing you with great signage than my friends at SignForce. Joey Harrison and his staff are a one-stop shop for all of your marketing needs. Handcrafted signs, vehicle wraps, screen printing, embroidering, business cards, and brochures, there's nothing the folks at SignForce can't do. I've personally used SignForce for signage for my business and for our church, and SignForce has beautifully wrapped two buses for our Christian school. If you need to promote anything, SignForce will deliver a great product at a great price and with great speed. Give Joey and his folks a call at 864-582-3600 or check out their website at SignForceSC.com. That's 864-582-3600, SignForceSC.com. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Michael is an adoptee himself. Gina was a birth mother at age 20. Together, the Smiths have adopted children. And through all of these experiences, they are uniquely qualified to share the love of Christ with all parties involved in the adoption process through Hope Embraced Adoption Agency. Hope Bound Ministries has partnered with the Smiths to make adoption services available to families who otherwise would not be able to afford adoption services. To donate to or to apply for financial help regarding the Smiths' adoption services, please visit hopebound.org. That's hopebound.org. Have you fallen behind on your mortgage payments? NFCC member agencies provide free and affordable help and meet U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development standards. Call 866-687-6322 or visit mortgagehelpnow.org. Only 27% of college grads are working in the career field for which they studied. The average cost of college is a little bit more than 18 grand a year. This means that 73% of college grads waste $75,000 and years of their lives pursuing fields of study they will never use in real life. To learn more about how you or someone you love can use biblical wisdom to avoid the financial and emotional pain of a bad career decision, visit careercallings.net slash discover, careercallings.net slash discover. 
Keep it relevant. Keep it real. Keep it here. You're listening to Christian Talk 660. But our lives aren't just measured in years. They're measured in the lives of people we touch around us. This feels like my calling and my purpose in life. There's something different about this journey that's more heart-connected. Purpose is more than just your core of, of your own self. It's beyond your own identity. Everybody ultimately wants to serve other people. You can have everything in life you want. You'll just help enough other people get what they want. And that little bit of sadness in the morning you spoke of. Perhaps you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Welcome back to Honey Badger University at Career Callings. I'm your host, Robbie Robeiser, 864-381-7649, or Robbie at careercallings.net. We'd love to have you join the program if you have a question about the Honey Badger or anything related to your career calling uh, that God has given you. All right, I want to pick up where I left off with the Honey Badger saga uh, before the break. And one last comment about the ferocity and fearlessness of Honey Badgers. Um, and then we have a, something else I want to talk about with regard to Honey Badgers. Even predators such as lions and leopards and hyenas tend to give a Honey Badger a wide berth. Um, even though Honey Badgers have been known to be killed by things like lions and leopards, they don't fear lions and leopards, and in many cases will attack them. I saw one video. One video I saw was about a honey badger in captivity. Matter of fact, we'll hear an audio clip in just a minute from that video. And uh, it was in a it was in South Africa, and there's this this nature reserve this guy named Brian has, and he's got all kinds of animals that he's rescued and tried to heal back up and 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 whatnot. And in one cage, there's a pair of lions, a male and a female lion. Well, the honey badger, whose name is Stoffel, and we'll talk more about Stoffel in just a few minutes, actually invaded their cage and attacked them for fun, and they both ran away. All right, now, he also invaded the cage of a rhinoceros, and the rhinoceros ran away. Now, later on, Stoffel did go back into the uh, to the cage um, where the two lions were, and the second time he went, he did not. He went in. He did not fare so well. He almost died. They did attack him back and uh, almost took his life. But after about two months worth of healing, he got back on his feet, so to speak. But uh, one story I read was about a, a pack of three honey badgers chased off seven lions, and the lions had actually killed some, I guess, wildebeest or something, whatever buffalo, whatever they had over there that they killed. And the honey badgers wanted in on the dinner, and they chased off the seven lions. So this is, and, and I saw in one of the videos, three honey badgers chased off four hyenas on one of the videos I saw. So these guys don't—they don't care. They don't care who you are, what you do. They're going to come after you, and uh, they don't have any fear. Now, another thing that honey badgers have is persistence. All right, they have an enormous amount of persistence. They just do not give up, which is one of the reasons why. I guess I guess that couples with their fearlessness. Uh, they just will not give up. And to kind of give you an idea, going back to what I said about Stoffel, Stoffel, uh, after attacking these two lions and getting mauled, 
his owner, Brian, decided, well, you know what, for Stoffel's own good, I need to cage him as well and protect him. And uh, Stoffel basically became an expert prison break artist. And to show you what I mean, let's hear how Stoffel did. Badges are not just fearless, but astonishingly clever. We started off with the mesh tough fence, but it didn't work. Stoffel soon devised a plan for opening up the gate, which has got two bolts. He would get the female to go up, he would go up, open the first gate, he'd hold the gate and say, Woman, get up, I'm pulling open, you open up. She goes up to the top, she pulls the second one out, and then he pulls it open, he waits for her to get down, and they escape together. The intelligence is just beyond anything. Whatever Brian did to keep him in, Stoffel was bent on getting out. In the end, and at great expense, Brian had no choice but to build his own Badger Alcatraz. That night, they called me, Brian Stoffel's out. I said, it's impossible. But we had trees in here. And he climbed up the trees and they leaned over onto the wall and he was out. So we cut all the branches out of the trees in here and left the trees in the middle. Then he dug up the rocks and he'd roll them with his back feet to the wall until he piled them up high enough. And then he'd get out. So we took all the rocks away. One o'clock in the morning, my wife wakes up, Brian, Brian, someone's in the house. She said, I heard a window break. So we freeze. Oh, my, expecting burglars. And he asked Stoffel at my bedroom door, trying to get to the bedroom door. He made himself a mud ball. And he pats it to make it bigger. And he rolled it. And he stands up and he just got out like that. But I remember one day a keeper left a rake in Stoffel's enclosure. He scratched himself, lies on his side, days thinking. Computer's working. Take the rake, put it in his back. Put it against the wall. I mean, you won't believe these stories. You think it's a hoax? It's not a hoax. That is thoughtful. Stoffel, Mission Impossible, Prison Break Artist. Now, I don't know if you were able to catch everything there that uh, Brian was saying, so let me repeat back to you some of the stuff that he said and some of the stuff you didn't hear, even though it was in the video that I saw about Stoffel's exploits. Number one, there were uh, there were trees around the Alcatraz perimeter, and Stoffel would climb up on the trees and get on the furthest branches closest to the walls and just weigh them down until he could basically walk over the tree like a bridge. When they took all the trees around the perimeter out, they left some trees in the middle, but the trees in the middle were not big enough to reach over to the wall. So what Stoffel did is he literally got on his back and pushed rocks with his bottom feet towards one corner of the wall and stacked rocks up into a rock ladder. When Stoffel broke into Brian's house that one night at 1 o'clock in the morning, the way he got out that time, he actually built a mud wall. He basically pushed muddy dirt up against the, uh, up against the corner of the wall and stacked it 
until it was high enough to climb up the mud wall. The last thing that Brian said was something about a rake. The, the keeper of the Alcatraz had left a rake accidentally in there. So Stoffel put the rake on his back, took it to the corner of the wall, put it up, and climbed up the rake as a ladder. Now, some other things you didn't hear about is that one time Stoffel got out by finding a stick, a big stick in the uh, the, the Alcatraz, and put that up against the corner of the wall and climbed up the stick. One time, he there was a shovel left in there. He got the shovel and put it in the corner of the wall and climbed up. One time, there was a tire in there. He rolled the tire to the edge of the wall and climbed up the tire. And finally, what held Stoffel in? They finally put an 8,000-volt electric fence over the edge of the top of the walls. And finally, that was enough to stop Stoffel until they shocked him to death. They didn't shock him to death. He's still alive. But until they shocked him, he he was able to get out no matter what they did. Quite impressive amount of perseverance. The guy just wouldn't give up. You couldn't do anything to stop him. And that's that's inherent in the nature of honey badgers, which is why another thing I found fascinating about them. So uh, how does that apply to us? How does that apply to God's calling in our lives with regards to careers? Well, you know, every now and then, uh, God is going to bless you, going to bless me. Uh, going to bless Maestro here with an extraordinary moment of insight into his overall plan for our lives. It's kind of like he's reaching down, grabbing a hold of our necks, and lifting us up above the world and giving us a bird's eye view of what he wants us to accomplish in our lives. Those are rare instances of insight, but they do happen from time to time. And he'll give us a vision of that work he wants us to he wants to accomplish through us. And when we get a hold of that vision, it's kind of like what a lot of people call a mountaintop experience. We'll get excited, we'll get motivated, we'll feel purpose in our lives, and we want to go do what God wants us to do. But then, shortly after being on the mountaintop, what, what happens? We get put back down on earth in the midst of the battle. Circumstances are nasty, they're tough, they're rough, we get scared, we get weary, we become disenchanted with the vision. We, we want to just quit because it's too hard. And one of the things that that struck me in the Bible about how we really should not do this is to remember that God's plans and God's timing usually aren't the same as ours. We might want something today. We want it now. We're the microwave generation, right? Everything 10 seconds you want it done. God doesn't work that fast. All right, so God has a longer period. So look at David. David in Psalm 138.8 wrote this, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Now, if you look at David's life, David was a teenager when God anointed David king over Israel uh, you know, through, uh, through the prophet there, Samuel. And it wasn't until the age of 30. So he was anointed as king as a teenager, but it wasn't until he was the age of 30 that David became the king. And at that time, he was only king over the tribes of Judah the tribe of Judah. It took him another seven years and six months after that before he became king over all Israel. So he was in his late 30s, 20-some-odd years or so, after being promised the kingship before he became the king. What does that mean? You know, God might give us a vision a day of the mountaintop, and it might take 10 and 20, 30 years, or two or three days. I don't, you know, I don't know. God knows. But if God's shown you that vision, he wants you to stay persistent to the task and stick by him until he makes his perfect work perfect work real in your life. And to give you another example of that, there was a missionary from Canada that came through my church some time ago, and, and during his talk he mentioned that when they first got started 
in their area of Canada. They they wanted to start the church by having a meeting in the neighborhood for potential church members. In order to advertise that meeting, they handed out 14,000 invitations. And when, after handing out 14,000 invitations, they had three people show up for that first meeting. And that was just an informational meeting. It was not even a church service. So after the informational meeting, they held their first church service. And the members or the people who visited or attended their first church service was the missionary, his wife, and his two small children. Nobody else came. Not even the three people that showed up at the informational meeting. But 17 years later... They have a thriving church in Canada with 60-plus members, and they're in desperate need of a larger building. Too often, we get beaten down by disappointment. Too often, we choose the path of least resistance, giving up in the face of adversity rather than persisting with all of our might. God wants us to persist. God wants us to make a decision to persist, and then we have to remember that God will supply the power if we make the decision. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Remember, just as the work of salvation is Christ, but the decision to be saved is ours, the decision to persist in his work is ours, but his ability is what we need to actually get it done. Trust in God to help you pursue the career calling he's given you. Come get a free podcast of today's program at careercallings.net slash radio. And until then, go do God's work.